everybody. Welcome back to our podcast, Watch Better Movies, where we like to highlight underappreciated films that we think deserve more praise. As always, I'm Ben. And I'm Matthew. And I'm Eric. Who the heck's Eric? You sound different, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I grew back some hair, so, you know, I I hear that affects things. Colin, unfortunately, has... uh, He's got the the Rona. Rona. He's got the Rona. So he's sitting this one out. Um, But we have invited our friend Eric Vander Hayden. Can I say your last name? Yeah, you're more welcome to. Eric is also, uh, he's a dear friend, but he's also our super fan. (laughs) Yes, we appreciate appreciate the fan. (laughs) No, man, I appreciate you. Also, for what it's worth, I think this is Colin's second time having COVID, but it's the only time he actually has a test. He got it a couple years ago and he was sick as a dog, but he refused to take it because he said, if you don't get tested, you didn't get it. I remember that. Because he wanted (laughs) to make it to the end of his life and say, I was the one person that never got it. And I didn't know what happened the other day, but I just got a text from Colin out of nowhere. I didn't know he had COVID and it said, you're the last man standing. You've never gotten it? Still haven't had it yet. Oh, wow. Next time I get it, I'm just going to run up and hug you. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. It would be worth it. I'm kidding. I would never do that. No, but it would be worth it for me. Why? A Ben hug. Oh. I mean, we can hug. I don't care. Actually, no, don't touch me. I see. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'll take a hug even if you have leprosy. Anyway, that's what's the little, movie we're much. talking about? <laughs> Nightcrawler. You would hug me even if I had leprosy? That's a true friend. Yes. I didn't know how, how close we were friends. Yeah, well, there it is. I mean, if you want to talk about... Never mind, I can't even put this on radio or the interwebs. No, say it. The say closeness it. of our friendship really bloomed and blossomed. Bloom. Um was when you clogged the toilet here oh, at church yeah. and I unclogged yeah, it. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's when that's when things got real. Man, this is a great intro. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing what? says friendship like I will unclog a toilet for you. Yeah, like I think. That is the epitome of Fr- friendship and marriage. <laughs> Love and marriage. I'm trying to think if I've ever unclogged my wife's toilet before. Probably. Anyways. I'm sure you have. She's clogged the toilet. That's a fact. Mm. Right. So welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have fun here. Do you do you have an intro, Ben? I, I pretty much just said it. Uh, today we're talking about Nightcrawler. <laughs> That's your intro? <laughs> like, do you have an intro like of anything about the movie? or? Not really. Oh, okay. No. Today we're talking about Nightcrawler. It stars uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, directed by... Who directed this? This is Dan Gilroy. It was his first... Uh, it's his directorial debut. No way. He, yeah. He's he's written a bunch before. Yeah, he wrote uh, Kong Skull Island. Uh, oh. He wrote The Bourne Legacy. Um, a couple other Real Steel, with, uh, which I did not see. I don't know if I saw anything. It's, it's, worth, it's worth a watch. It's also a family affair. So the editor is his brother. Um, and then his niece, uh, John Gilroy's, um, daughter is in it. And then Tony Gilroy did something as well. It's like, it was this, all these Gilroy's that jumped in and they all do different things. Some are editors, some are directors, some are writers. So pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, for a directorial debut, like this is yeah. fantastic. I was going to say. For Absolutely fantastic. Oh yeah. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal definitely said, uh, he was like definitely one of the best stories I've ever read. When he was sent the script. Well, I mean, I think Jake Gyllenhaal... So, like, this guy, uh, Dan Gilroy, has directed... This is, he's, This was his first, but he's also directed... I didn't actually see this. Denzel got nominated for it. Did anybody see Roman J. Israel... Esquire. Esquire. No, I, I read the, the script. I read the summary of it. So, he directed that. That was his second film. And then the most recent one was a Netflix film called Velvet Buzzsaw, which also had Jake Gyllenhaal, which <laughs> I haven't seen. Renee. Yeah, I saw the trailer for that. Which Renee Russo is his wife. wife. Dan Russo's wife is Nina, the um, like producer in the newsroom. Oh, yeah. That's his wife. Not the show, the newsroom, but yeah. the, the newsroom. <sighs> <in> the... <laughs> Anybody seen Velvet Buzzsaw? No. I was thinking about it. It got like a 
passing grade on Metacritic, so I, but I haven't seen it. But anyways, Jake Gyllenhaal and T- Dan Gilroy might have like a maybe they make that's what they do together. Also, his upcoming movie. Uh, if anybody's interested after this review and Nightcrawler, Dan Gilroy's next movie. Uh, the only cast member that has been cast is Harry Styles. Interesting. Ooh. Interesting choice. And I didn't remember any of the facts of what the plot is about, but yes. I don't know if I've ever seen Harry Styles in a film. I don't know that I have either. Um, Dunkirk. He was in Dunkirk. Oh, yes, he was in Dunkirk. Did he die? I'm not going to spoil that like that. Oh. <clears throat> not for the fans here. We spoil things all the time. We, we, yeah, we no, pride ourselves in being the movie podcast that spoils everything. <laughs> no, he does not. I don't think he does in that one. Well, basically what you have here is... Uh, Dan Gilroy wrote and directed a film uh, that centers around the anti-hero character uh, of Jake Gyllenhaal, who we find at the beginning of the movie, who is jobless, uh, which happened to be one of the themes uh, that Dan Gilroy, he, he, this is an original screenplay uh, that he got nominated for an Oscar for. Um, and he wanted to write a story that had to do with unemployment and capitalism. So if we start with that, were, those were yeah. the themes. Do you think that he wrote a movie about those things? Absolutely. I, I think he definitely did about capitalism, not as much unemployment. Definitely, definitely capitalism. Yes. Yeah. Not not so much unemployment. Yeah, like. I feel like the unemployment thing was just kind of like the beginning where he's selling metal and selling. Well, it know, also comes yeah. up in Rick's character. Well, yeah, with, with Rick, uh, also sure. let's let's oh. not let's not cheat or uh, cheat the fans of saying this is just a Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Oh uh, no, yeah. Rizamed is. The, oh my gosh, <laughs> I couldn't say his name. He's the guy from Sound of Metal. I yes, he's the guy oh, from yeah, Sound of Metal. Best. If anybody has not seen Sound of Metal, please. He also, um, he also is a rap. He he raps and is an oh, MC. And I didn't know did, that. What um, immigrants? We get the job done for the Hamilton mixtape. Really, it is such. I didn't oh know my that. Gosh, <laughs> he's he's so good. That's crazy. So good. So basically, uh, I'll tell my wife that later. Yeah, you find this guy. I would. How would you describe uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character? An opportunistic learner. Okay, I think that is a very good description. An opportunistic learner. Um, would you say he has any sort of moral compass? <laughs> I think he has a code, like a personal code. What is his code? Uh, he he talks about it a lot, actually. Like, like ethically. Beliefs. No, not ethically. That's, not ethically. That's I'm what I'm saying. He has tons of a professional code. code. Yeah. It always seems like that every line he regurgitates is something that he has watched and then or digested read. and filed away solely for the purpose of, I know one day I'm going to tell someone this, like when I'm sure. running away from a murder. That's a I don't point. know. That's a or to point. sell himself or to get a client or to yeah. get more in a negotiation. I mean, like capitalism. You bring up an interesting mm. question, though. Does he actually have hardly any original thought? Because like you're like almost every dialogue that he has, he's quoting something he researched so, or watched. Right, I was thinking the same thing, and but like he watches, like he watched, he was watching that movie and he was laughing. And one thing I was thinking was like, he's only he's either psychotic and like laughing because he knows that that's funny that you should laugh there, or like he genuinely enjoys it. He's watching it by himself in his apartment, so I think he does. I just don't. I I couldn't pinpoint it. Yeah, I mean, I think the most human uh, thing about Jake Gyllenhaal's character, and this is two podcasts in a row, that a pot, a potted yeah. plant. <laughs> I was going to say that. Were, we, yeah. I was going to say that. And so... The, like murderers have potted plants. So the plant was supposed to be a dog, but right. they but they thought that that would be too much... Uh, they had to make, that him, would make him too likable. Yes. They had to make him likable, but not too And likeable. they intentionally had zero backstory to him. Like, there's right. there's no backstory. I want to talk about that, okay. actually. Yeah, so uh, I, when I was watching this for this, this is the second time I've seen this. Mine I too. saw this. I saw this years ago, like right after I saw it school. in the theater. Nice. Um, and I remember when I was just looking at his character, I'm like, man, 
Um, they could have easily made him a very cliche character. They could have been like, oh, mm-hmm. he has a troubled backstory yep. and yep. he's wounded by this thing. And, um, or, uh, you know, he's, he's a good guy. He just wants to do right, but he, he also wants to make money and he's slowly, you know, he's slowly, there's of, none of that, you know, getting worse. And he's just, he grows into like a bad person or something like that would have been a very cliche way to write right. this character. But instead they made him extremely complicated. They didn't give him a backstory that we know of. Um, and if they did, it was like really subtle and ambiguous. Right. Well, and I think that that also helps set up the arc of like from the opening scene where he may or may not have killed that security guard. Talk about like, let's talk about how he was talking to him. <laughs> Can you say white privilege? Yeah, but yeah, oh, for sure. I, I was thinking that for sure. But like also just the way, the way he was answering his questions, like like he was smiling almost yeah. like, uh, what do you mean? There was well, he also introduces like, himself as Lou, not yeah. Lewis. Yeah. So he wants to be approached. From that opening guy. scene, and I think it carries throughout, I, I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal's character, he has the sense of invisibility, like invincibility. Like from that very moment, it's like he wasn't even like not one ounce rattled by this guy coming up to him. Yeah. It's like, like even walking through mm-hmm. the scenes. I mean, I guess there's some moments when he gets into a very, very uh, dangerous situation at the end. You see the slightest moment of humanity when he's like looking at the edited clip on the back of the car where he's like mm-hmm. taking deep breaths. But other than that, like you almost get like this robotic, emotionless. Well, why character. was he taking those deep breaths? Well, maybe just because he was just trying to get the. He knew he knew he was sitting on bank. I, guess. I don't. I do not think it was because he, he was saw phased. people dead. I mean, so the question Anyways. is, do you think he's a psychopath? Oh yeah. I mean, like, okay, just to be clear. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's, he's not right. No. Okay. <laughs> just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. He's he's not just an opportunistic. Which I mean, I guess you can make the argument he's trying to say that capitalism is psychopath. Nah, he's a, he's think, a wolf among sheep. Absolutely. Right. He's just taking. He takes in every single opportunity to learn something. Like even then, which so I do like, admire that. Right. So even fast forward here. So we go through. What else were you going to say about the opening scene? Was there anything else with that? Yeah, a lot. I think. Okay. Um, there's a lot to unpack, I think, with that opening scene. Just like the way he's a smooth talking white person, mm-hmm. which is extremely dangerous. And he's just like he, he just the way he was talking to him was just like, oh, is this fine? Like, I'm just out here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he was just he was very convincing. Well, for know? what it's worth, though, he yeah. wasn't convincing enough because it's the only scene in the whole movie. He didn't talk himself out of a That's sticky true. situation. Not, not through mm-hmm. lack of trying, though. Not he tried. Trying. Um, and then his option B is kill him. Yeah, which which it's we know, we don't see like he dies Ooh. off screen, but like we it's implied that he does. You think he died? How how would he have gotten Do you out think of that? He knocks him out. Yeah, just beat him up. Like people then, still fight. Then there's a witness who's seen his face. I, I well, that's know. what I was I thinking too. But that. like you literally, that, that's crazy to think he was actually a killer from the beginning. I think he was. I think that that well that presents the is he mm-hmm. a villain or is he an antihero? And I don't think that really gets figured out until. Like for me to like battle. Okay, can we ask for it? I want a definition of what an antihero is. Like, what is y'all's idea of what an antihero is? You still, so someone who's moral, from what I read, from what people told me, whose moral compass is is off, but you're still cheering for them. By the end of the movie, for me, you are not cheering for Jay Gyllenhaal. Yeah, for me, I think an antihero is someone who does good, but in their own way. Then and that way can be that way can be questionable. Sure. Well, then Very is he then, ambiguous. then is he an antihero? Like what to me, I don't think he is. I think he's I, a villain. Yeah. Well, he tr- so then maybe Dan Gilroy, uh, which well, I think this film's wonderful, but. I don't know that he he tried to film an anti-hero story. Yeah. And I don't think he's an anti-hero personally. I mean, I guess maybe it's just from the he it like this is my second time and I felt grosser this time than the first time. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and maybe it was because I was like more knowledgeable and like nothing was like none of it was surprising that I'm just like to me he can't be an anti-hero so for almost like the very beginnings of everything he does like that first scene so anyways I guess to tell some more plot he doesn't get a job was he sells some metal and he goes in to try to get a job there he very much wants a job and the guy won't hire him and I guess to be honest with you, I don't think he won't hire him because the guy knows he stole the stuff. So yeah, he's dishonest. From right. The well, then he takes that, like sorts it, puts it in the back of his head of just like, oh, he knew this because of this. So and then, then he, he goes that, to employ he gives him that Rick. Look, too, with what you just said. Yes. He gives him that look like, oh, oh, okay. I'm going to take that and yeah. use that for later. So then when he's like employing Rick Very later good, on. Right. And so I guess really what happens is at the end of the day, he's leaving there. I don't remember if it's the same night, but he's driving down the highway. He sees there's a wreck. He pulls over to the side. He sees um, Bill. Bill Paxton? No, he doesn't see. Bill Paxton rolls up later. Okay. Well, so he sees the car wreck. He, he, oh, he's dead? Oh, that's right. I, I think he passed away. Yeah, I think sure you're right. Oh, no. Well, let's make sure yeah. we didn't just kill Bill Paxton. <laughs> I was I was sad when I was watching. I was like, man, game over, man. Wasn't he in Twister? Yeah, of course okay, he was in that's Twister. All I remember Bill Paxton. Are you kidding okay, me? That was yeah, my childhood. 2017. Oh, Did that was a while ago. my joke? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you made a joke? I said game over, man. Sorry. Crickets. Okay. What's it from? <laughs> Bill Paxton was in Aliens, and his famous line was, Game over, man. Oh, I've seen oh. Aliens. I forgot he was in Aliens. Yeah. Oh. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Needless to say. Nobody deserves Sorry, man. Me. That was a sweet So they call him Stringers. I guess he saw like a stringer uh, who was coming up and getting footage of a crime scene so why or did, a wreck. I why they called them Nightcrawlers. Well, there's all, they're all, at other times they call them Stringers. Okay, why both. do you think he pulled over? Because he originally saw the wreck That's on fire. That's a good question. Why did he pull over in the first place? That's a good question. I think he's just curious about everything. Because he's an opportunist, maybe? Yeah. Well, Has well, he, he lives in LA. Has he not seen a car wreck before? I mean, this one, granted, like... That's a very good question. I don't know. That's I was trying to figure that out. Because, because then it, Bill Paxson rolls up after he's already parked. And so then he realizes that there's money to be made here because he goes, like, Bill Paxton goes away saying, like, how much money he's going to get for that, whatever. And Yeah. He sees his camera crew. Well, he sees his camera. Ironically, I forgot about this, but he actually asked Bill Paxton to hire him there. Yes. And mm-hmm. then we yes. see later that that, oh, that, yeah. that gets flipped. But so he sees an opportunity of, hey, there's money to be made um, of, you know, having a police scanner and, you know, and a camera and being able to go around and be the first people to a scene and to be able to get footage to take to uh, news channels. For what it's worth, like, this is real. Like, the, these people are real people, which I just, when I watched this the first time, that was what blew me away. Like, I did not take into any consideration that this was like a real story, that people did this. But, like, he, Dan, Dan Gilroy based this off of, like, the first person that, like, kind of was known for this. Yeah. Um, but also, like, Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed would actually drive around with real stringers. Um, real well, and and two that. of them show up in the... Yeah, two of them get a cameo. That's cool. In, like, the fire scene or whatever. It, the, the bald brothers. <laughs> to stay in character, away. the two of them would stay up all night and binge eating candy so that they could actually, like, stay in character. Jake Gyllenhaal also lost 20 pounds uh, because he pictured his character being a coyote and, like, a scavenger. And it almost became such a theme that they almost changed the name of the movie. Man, you just hit like three IMDb trivia Um, points right there. And so so he lost 20 pounds. And one of the ways he did that was he either ran or rode his bike to the set for every single single day. Wow. Um, And so he, like, this reminds me of... Like a Daniel Day Lewis type thing, like yeah. even Christian Bale and the and the Machinist, uh, yeah, is that Ooh. like this is this is a form of method acting? I feel like like just that I really appreciate. Okay, so. Well, and also Riz Ahmed, um, 
whenever he's play, casting a role that has a different accent, he keeps that accent throughout the entire film. Like he doesn't drop it until it's produced or whatever. So like continuing on with that. That's good. So ultimately what we see this character do is he goes and buys this dinky little camcorder uh, and a police scanner. With store credit. With store credit from a, <laughs> stole, yeah, he steals from a bike. stolen bike. Yeah, he steals the bike. How and that's he steal okay. that bike? So do you, do, do you, <laughs> it was locked up, man. Do you think didn't he like he had? They didn't had show it, but it. he had some sort of snips, yeah. which was in a massively populated area. Like so, yeah, like it wasn't it, like this was. It looks like not Venice Beach. Gotta suspend your disbelief a little. So, do you think aspects of this movie are a dark comedy? Dark comedy. Where like, do you, you find laughing? comedic moments in this movie? Um, and there are any just, moments where the villain, if we're calling him that, actually makes you smile? Yeah, I mean, like a little like awkward moments. Sure. Like it, the scene when he's driving the bike around the pawn shop. Yeah, yeah, sure. Gets me. Like, I don't I don't know if I laughed out loud. I don't know if I laughed, but there's a but sense like, of giddiness of this character that's just kind of like got me in that scene. Well, because of how uncomfortable he is. Like sometimes your natural reaction is to giggle a little bit. That's the only times I found myself laughing was that one this scene. is so uncomfortable. Oh, the scene was okay. When when was the moment when so he starts going out on scenes? What was the what was the first scene that he got? It was a guy pulled over. He almost hit the guy, sat on the curb, and it was just like it was a, a guy sitting on the curb. He like runs his car up like, oh. <laughs> and then like just sticks it in people's face. Like, Hey, what's going on? Get out. And he just, the cop is just telling him to get out. Um, so then he learned, he learns he needs to learn police codes yes. in order to find actually good talk ones. about the social yeah. unaware. Like, well, first yeah, off, that's gosh. just one of the th- themes of him is he is completely socially unaware. And I don't know if that's even a critique of capitalism that when, like capitalism to its furthest extent is like socially unaware because like you don't even understand people. Well, you have, you have the two yeah. positions there of Lou who doesn't understand social awareness or anything like that. So then he doesn't I think need that's to actually like a real thing for him, right? Where he doesn't need to actually like disconnect much to, to take advantage of it. But then you have Rene Russo, this character, the TV producer, Nina, yeah. Nina, um, where she's fully aware of everything, but like and accepts it and then like hits it harder, you know, as she keeps saying later on during that scene um, that she is fully embracing it and saying like, yes, I know I'm doing a bad thing. I love that scene where he pulls up in the car so close. And then I love that he gets that camcorder. Just like he just walks straight in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he has no, he could care less about caution tape, uh, you know? And so, I think the moment though that we like, I was disturbed when he got that close, but then I think the moment you really start seeing him like derail was the scene where there was a shooting in a house Yeah, and you see him actually sneak onto the property. So was it when he went under the tape or when he moved the photos on the refrigerator? To be fair, uh, coming from a videographer, that was a really good shot. It, it was a very good Some shot. Some redeemable qualities. I mean, <laughs> looking through the bullet holes in the window at the parents was epic. It's a, it's a good shot. But also, yes, moving the pictures got me. I'm like, oh, like yeah, this, this. You know that he's not going to. The bullet hole in the. Yeah. And then the next scene, do I feel like where it really gets me is like when he like pulls the dead body for a better shot. Uh, yeah. Uh, so then, so something weird. that I had a big trouble with was when he went under the tape and then when he was moving the body. Do you notice in the score? I think I texted you guys this. Yeah. That in the score, like it was a guitar riff mm-hmm. that like. It sounded optimistic. It sounded almost redeemable, and it did not make sense to me at all. So I read read about this. There you go. So the score doesn't make sense at sometimes because the score is not meant to make sense of the scenery and what's happening from, from the viewer's perspective. No, the, the the score is Jake Gyllenhaal's brain, right? And so in that moment, okay. it was a, a redeemable choice. It was a redeemable moment. This was something for him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, it, it's a bold choice by the director, I think, to do it that way. But like, basically, like this movie, you're in the mind of Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, you don't really like it, it was unique. He's in every scene. He's in every scene. Yeah. So I mean, I think something to talk about before we jump over is that he's actually able to sell, you know, that first footage to Rene Russo, um, and then they end up building this relationship. Well, I wouldn't even call it a relationship. Um, I mean, sort it, of. Yeah, it's well. It's gross. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. Um, but a relationship of where he kind of becomes the person that brings in the nightly footage to her. And she, how would you describe what she says works? What What is the type of content that, that she's looking for? The type of footage? If it bleeds, it leads, right? Bill Paxson. I was going to say that, yeah. <laughs> it does. But I think it's also more than that. She's like, she doesn't want any footage from Compton. She doesn't want anything from... What she said sells yeah. is this, this. A lot of this is like there's a lot of uh, social commentary in oh, this movie. Is um, basically that she telling. wants crimes, bloody crimes, violent crimes that are particularly committed in yeah. affluent areas by minorities. Yeah, by minorities. Poor in, people and minorities. Yeah, poor people and minorities in um like suburban areas. Yep, uh, which is very telling, I think, in in this society, but also in ours. One well, Lou breaks down like how much time is spent on local news on like government. It's like packed government and all these parts of it, like in like 28 seconds, but then crime is like 20 times that or something like that. So he knows the game. I mean, he is smart. Let's just be clear. No doubt. He has good. It's funny because he has good qualities, but then he has truly awful qualities. What are some of his good qualities, Ben? Well, he's a good businessman. (laughs) He's assertive. He's an opportunist. He is assertive. Yeah. He's determined. Uh, he's persistent. He's a really good learner. He's a very good learner. <laughs> he's regurgitating his lines. I mean, he is. Yeah, no, you're right. But he's ethically, he's a terrible person. Terrible. <laughs> Horrible. Like, it's that's kind of what I like about the movie, though, is that yeah. it's centered around a character who's very gray and very complicated. Um, you and I are into the, um, you know, the Game of Thrones books, the Song of Ice and Fire books, because I, I like it personally because all the characters, most of them are very, very gray and complicated. Yeah, there's only a few that aren't. Yeah, I mean, like John, I guess would be. Like he has great John moments, and Ed. Yeah, but mostly not. But who yeah, would you so. Who would you say is the moral center of the movie? The moral center of the movie, Riz Ahmed. Yeah, probably, probably Rick. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he was uncomfortable with everything they did from every single. But he's moment. like, I want a job, so <laughs> thirty dollars a night. That that interview was kind of interesting, like because there was a lot going on. Like mm-hmm. the the it kind of I, I like that this movie kind of forces the um, it forces you to pay attention because you want to you want to observe the main character because of how different he is. Yeah, and you want you're like you can't help but like figure out what's going on in his head because his actions are so strange, um, and his demeanor is strange. Fun fact: they filmed that. Um, interview scene in the diner yep. of Drive. Yeah, and and like I got so many Drive themes throughout, or like feelings throughout this whole movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's such a good movie. Should we do that on the podcast? Oh, <laughs> it's definitely unwatched. Why not? De- so, I, I love it as a movie. Uh, it does not fit y'all's uh, type. Why? It's got some scenes in it that I don't think really like what, like Nomadland. Uh, when she's you know bathing, it's got a, when she's bathing drive is a great movie <laughs> oh, no drive is a, a phenomenal movie especially from like what i can imagine what am like, i forgetting what am i forgetting uh there's some nudie scenes there is yeah it's really that. fast huh. it's when he runs through the place at the end like when in the back of it's the like oh just get it yeah doesn't he kill somebody in a strip club or something yeah, it's yeah. for the hammer yeah something like that but i think, I think that the uh, spoilers maybe 
I, th- I think it's it really kills a, a lot of people. It's been a while. So ultimately, he starts raking in the money, and he ends up trading in. I don't know yeah. what that first car was. It was uh, a Toyota. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about his car. Yeah. Yeah. Not not his first one, but his second <laughs> one. Like I, I like that he got a car so that he could chase, <laughs> so that he could like Soul get purpose. faster and got yeah. it tricked out. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I think Rizamed made a good point one time. Like, why the heck did you get a red one? Like, why would you get a red car? <laughs> mm. And that was a that was a mention of not Dan Gilroy, but his brother was just like. He said it, and then he had Riz Ahmed say it in the film. Yeah, I mean... Should have got a black car, right? Well, this is where I feel like almost he started letting fame get in the way of some of his brilliant thinking. Sure. Was the moment he got the red car, I feel like that was a, a, a step backwards. And when he started wanting like his name actually like public and like the name of his company. Yeah. At this point, I feel like ego's getting in the way, and like he's losing sense of like part of what makes you... Is it getting in the way? I think so, because part of what's going to make him massively successful is being... But he does get massively successful. Yeah, but... Okay, tell me this. This is a guy... The movie ends, which we'll get to. There's no way this guy doesn't get arrested one day. On the on the like earlier in the movie, I'm like, oh, he'll get away with this forever. But like, I I, I just can't imagine with the risk taking that he does that he's not like he has no coat. He literally walked by a dead body bleeding out and just left it. And he has film evidence of it, and he gets away. I think the point of the movie is that he could get away with it, though. Yeah, I sure. Mean, it, would you agree? Yeah, it's gonna be like an Al Capone. Tax so that's the ultimate. That's the, why it ended the, the ultimate way it mo- the movie really builds <clears throat> to one scene. Or one crime scene that he comes up to, which is a an invasion of a house, and he gets there before the cops do. It, it they think it's a home invasion. Did, it, side note: Did he know? Because Riz Ahmed said right before they were like, "Man, we're way out here." Yeah, did he, they know? Said he could go to the rape somewhere else or something. <laughs> well, yeah. So that was the the that what the rape one was in contrast to Bill Paxson's brake lines getting cut. Oh my god! So that part, oh. which oof. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Jake kills Bill. No, he's not dead. I think he kills his camera guy. Oh, uh, yeah. But well, but but Bill, he makes but he makes sure that Bill Paxson sees him. He eliminates the competition. He, which is good <laughs> capitalistic move. That's great man. But so then, but okay. So I want to. He didn't keep going. do that by force. He like. That is kind of interesting how they're like, that, what if what if someone was so like uh, so dedicated to capitalism that just all ethics went out the window? Like that is a well, really that's exactly what this movie is. It's so it's interesting. He does really he does a great Dan Gilroy did a great job. Well, with this. One of my favorite dialogues of the whole entire movie was when Bill Paxton tries to hire him. <laughs> that is the best. It is some of the best yeah, writing yeah. because he stays composed <laughs> the whole time, and he ha- and he can't see his eyes. He has the sunglasses on, mm-hmm. and he like looks at him, and he's like. What I want to do right now, which yeah. comes up later in a Rizzo med- like conversation, is I want to grab you by the ears, and I want to shake you and and you know and, and, tell, and you, tell you to go away. Yeah, and, and and but the way that that whole scene played out was just absolutely brilliant. I loved it. He knew exactly what he wanted. And that so, was great because it was like he, you know, he asked for the job earlier, you know, earlier in the movie, and then mm-hmm. because the power dynamic shifted, shifted, he was like, because I'm in, I have the power now, I'm going to say no. Also, I don't think his character could ever work for anybody. At that point, probably not. Well, I mean, even just, 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 let's just be real. Even from the opening scene, well, this sounds really terrible. There is some sort of quirk about just the way that he's wired. I gotcha. That makes him very unhirable. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not why the guy didn't hire him. The guy didn't hire him because he knew he stole stuff. But anyways, I mean, I, I just think that he's the type of guy that I think if he had an ethical code, could be a brilliant CEO and run his own business. I just don't see a guy like that working for a boss. Yeah, like, he is. He don't. is very like my he way, needs to own his own company. Yeah. 
So to circle back on what you said, like it builds to the climax of they go into what is perceived to be a home invasion. Yeah. And then. Uh, well, and, you know, he as he comes up, he hears he like this is I mean, you got to also respect, I guess he, he is fearless. If that's to be respected, I mean, like, sure, he just walks like he he films the shooters walk out of a house. He goes into the house. He knew this was his white whale. Yeah. He knew this is how he make. And I mean, he got three dead bodies. White Bronco. Did you, did, did you, Nobody gets my joke. Did you just make a power of the dog joke? No. Yeah, I thought it was Don't worry about it. Oh. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so Eric already brought up earlier, maybe to me the most disturbing part was when he walked and he filmed all the bodies was that one of them was not dead. And then he also walked into a nursery and then there's no baby ever, which, no. which uh, Dan Gower's brother was very perturbed by. He's like, what happened with stupid. the baby? Do we know? No. That, well, that's the, that's the problem is that there's yeah. never a mention or a side of the baby and did anywhere. The guys steal the baby. No. Well, later, later we find out it was drug related. Yes. So I'm like, well, what does the baby have to do with anything? So that was also brought up by the <clears throat> what I think is the producer um, who's played by Kevin Rom. Quick shout out there. Um, he plays in Mad Men. Um, he's kind of like the moral code of the which season the TV. I couldn't tell you that much, but he also plays Mike B in Madam Secretary. He's one of my favorite characters of all time, but like he just makes he makes a few bits in here. So only I've only seen him in Scrubs, so I don't know. He's in Scrubs. He's in like one episode. Oh man, <laughs> he's so funny. He's so funny. Uh, anyway, but yeah, it's got brought up that it's actually drug. It was actually um, not drug bust, but a drug like the guys were going in there. To it steal was drug drugs. related. Yeah. yeah. What matters is what gets you to what you need to what you're looking for. You know, like yeah. That, yeah. that's all that matters. Right. Yeah. There's a. I, <laughs> Um, there's this it, early in his career when he's like, when he like goes on his first night crawl or whatever you want to call it, where he's like sticking the camera in people's faces and he's, he's, he's very like, he's kind of a novice at it. Um, uh, like there's a scene where Bill Paxton, um, <clears throat> passes him and goes, nice camera, you know, and you can tell <laughs> that like, I just remember thinking like, man, I feel that like I, I too have had an inferior camera in, in the workplace. <laughs> can you talk about the camera work uh, in this specifically with film and digital and how that w- and how that played do you think it played yeah, you, out so well you told all? me you told me that they filmed the the daytime in film it was filmed in both film and digital that is so weird to me why is that weird because that's that's not really something you do um because they can look different mm-hmm. which is funny because i didn't notice it like this time right because when you told me that i tried to look for it and i was like i guess i can't really notice it but um when you capture something on film you you have to digitize it at some point sure um but it just it looks better and another thing is, if they were to, um, when when they when they digitally remaster things, uh, like have you have you seen like, um, like an old Spielberg movie on Blu-ray, right. like Jaws right. or uh, Close Encounters or Indiana Jones, um, they can through uh, technology that I can't understand in my pea-sized brain, they um, they can like the way they digitally remaster film, like it can it can infinitely be remastered, hmm. so it kind of future proofs anything Mm. that's why people love filming on film it also just looks better um if you film on digital there's not it's not always guaranteed that you can remaster it or clear it after a while so okay i think in the future we might look at this movie and notice it you know what i mean sure because you'll see the digital parts well right and like a big part of this was just also like the like kind of another character that we haven't mentioned is los angeles like la was a big i don't know i try to sound smart in that one my movie analysis you, but, you, you moved me 
But like at the beginning, they very they film L.A. as just kind of like, you know, the city of angels where it's gorgeous. And like they because I, I mean, Dan Gilroy and the cinematographer. Nope. Um, just drove around just looking for great scenes or just looking for great shots. And they basically put those all in and just kind of the different breaks. And so they kind of present L.A. as the beautiful, you know, New York of the West, the some people are going to be offended by that. Um, uh, this like beautiful city. And then it just Lewis Lou just kind of like exposes like this underbelly, this gross, disgusting side of it, which then at the yeah. last scene, the, when they, when his vans are spoiler vans are all going out. Um, and they just go out in, I think it's three vans go out in three different directions. And he uses a crane shot to show that they're going in those different ways. The Dan Gilroy said that he was using this as a kind of a visual of the virus is spreading through the veins of the yep. city. Yep. It's I mean, called I, a jib. And I, and I, I think that I do think I'm going to come back to us being a jerk. There is a, <laughs> there, there is a human moment, which is gross, but that he, he wants Nina like every other decision he made in the movie was to further his business and to make money. Yeah. But he rec- That's a good point. He recognized he was alone. Right. And he recognized that he wanted affection. He had no idea relationally how to go about getting that. Because he doesn't have ethics. <laughs> he has no ethics. So he does it in the only way he knows how. And so he totally gross. you know, we don't really know the full details, but it's evident through Thank the rest God of the film that don't. he yes, that he that <laughs> he that he bribed her, you know, to continue to bring business. And he did that by unbelievable research of knowing that basically like knew exactly how much value he brought to their show that you know like that basically their sweeps was coming up with ratings i mean like he completely i mean it, you're watching a master work of like playing chess with somebody else's brain yeah um but i do think you see a human moment there um but i think the climax where it's like is he a human even comes when at the end you know he gets all this footage and then ultimately like he holds on to it knowing who these guys are uh, does not tell the cops that he has that footage and that he ultimately goes there and sets up a whole entire scene um, to where he is going to wait until these guys drive to a populated area and then call the police and then film the whole thing, expecting that there'll be blood and there'll be a shootout and somebody's going to get hurt. I have to say that was pretty impressive. It was a brilliant idea. I mean, it was terrible. Ethically, a terribly brilliant like, idea. That was, that was pretty impressive because like he got a shot of the guy pulling a gun out under yeah. the table. I'm like, that's... And just as somebody who films, like that's a hard shot to get. Of the just, best, <laughs> and of the best restaurants where like Candidly, three sides yeah. are all glass, yeah, so it's super yeah, lit, yeah. It was very lit in that restaurant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, what about the conversation with? I think it's important with Riz Ahmed uh, in that mm-hmm. scene of getting a raise. Oh my god! Oh, that I mean, that furthers the point of yeah. like he's going to eliminate competition. Riz was the. Uh, it was stopping him from possibly, you know, more money going back into the business to make because he asked for half, yeah. which was like a fifty thousand dollar reward if you right. got the guy. Right. Also, props to Riz for like actually, like trying to counter him. So, do you? Since we're just full spoiler mode, um, in the end, when like they they chase the guy, the the last guy, this is like chasing from the cops, and he, he like I can't believe they got all that on camera, but like they, right. you know, the the guy runs into the he gets in a car wreck with a police vehicle. Um, but like there's that scene where he goes up to him and he sees him kind of like he kind of sees him through the windshield and he says he's dead and he and tells him walks to film back him. Yeah, and walks back. So do you, so he saw him like he knows 100%. he wasn't dead. Why didn't he shoot him then? Right. Was well, I think that recovering? was bad directing and storytelling, but, but I mean, I think, the, oh, don't say that. <laughs> I love the movie and I think it's brilliantly directed, but I, I, 
I do think that that's a like, little bit of a hole. In some way, he literally, I think in that moment, it gives all indication that he thought that if he had him come and stand in front of it and Zoom, he was waiting to film it. Like, he was filming him getting killed. So, yeah. why, why, Ben, you think that there's some very intentional reason. or like For what? For when he didn't get shot there. No, I was just pointing out a okay. hole that okay. I was, uh, I do think I was it's curious. If, or, well, I mean, it could have just been like maybe he was... You know, maybe he was still recovering. Yeah, he's and he, he, like maybe he only saw him like moving a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think that he saw him like sitting there pointing a gun at him. He saw yeah, that yeah, he was yeah. alive. No, he's armed. Yeah, and he, right, he he probably did a calculation that okay, if I get my partner, I can film my partner either getting yelled at or like getting into an altercation with this guy. Best mm. case scenario, he gets shot, and then I get it all on film. That's so terrible. <laughs> one of the that one of the so lines terrible. that's funny that's not funny is the smile on Jake's face. When he negotiates and he says he wants a race, he said, tell me the number. And he was getting paid $30 a night. And he said, a hundred, a hundred. And then he like comes down from a hundred to 75. Mm. And then he goes, deal. And he was like, I could have gotten more, couldn't I? He goes, absolutely. And then he goes, can we, uh, what did he say? He's like, can we renegotiate? He goes, what did he say? He said, uh, something was closed i mean he was so like yeah. it's like it's almost like he pictures himself being in an office having these official conversations well and then at the end when he has the three new people and he said like you know um we here at yeah, video yeah. news or whatever and he always refers to it as like we and like he did that he did that with rick at one point in time i think during the interview where i mean i know he said that like you know i had an employee leave and i'm looking to hire or backfill that or whatever oh, but yeah. like he like yeah, he's definitely in his mind. He's listened to those TED talks. He's listened to those CEOs that just like, and he just embodies that. Tries to. He's slightly yeah. inspiring. A little, slightly. yeah. <laughs> like, there's times business wise, there's times sure. when he's saying things every now and then. I'm like, oh man, like that, that's good. You're doing good. Yeah, that that's what makes him so complicated. Yeah, because it's like he's both he's both like he's a good quality. Like I said, he's got good qualities, yeah. but he's got really terrible ones too. So, in my opinion. It was an absolute crime that he was not nominated for best actor. I remember, I remember when the Oscars came out and 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 the internet was like, well, was because crazy talking he's about one of he only eight snubbed. people, so he was nominated for a Golden Globe, a BAFTA, a SAG, a Critic mm -hmm. Choice Award, an Independent Spirit Award, and did not get nominated for an Oscar. And yeah. like, he's one of only eight people that's ever happened to. Um, and oh. I think that, that that was awful. I mean, I definitely think that it's he a was crime. Serving. He did so good in this movie, yes. killed it. The so that year so it was released in 2014. Do you know who won Best Actor? No, I don't even know who's nominated. Um, I just want him to be nominated. Matthew McConaughey, Dallas Buyers Dallas Club. Dallas Buyers, yeah. So that was the same year as um, True when True Detective came out. Ooh. And I think True Detective is a masterpiece. The first season. First season. And uh, like when I when I saw him and and he's good in Dallas Buyers Club too. But I remember being like, man, he Matthew McConaughey kind of killed it this year. <laughs> that year. <laughs> the man, if you put him in the right role. Yeah, sure. Anybody in there. He's any, a, any good actor in the right oof. role. That was so, also American Hustle, The Wolf on Wall Street, Twelve Years a Slave. That was oof. a crazy Captain year. Captain Phillips. That yeah. was a that was a great year in crazy film. Year. Gravity. Captain, no. <laughs> so when Dan Gilroy gave the script to Jake Gyllenhaal, he asked him, "What type of story is this?" Jake Gyllenhaal said he laughed at him, and he said, "It's a success story." Mm. And they both laughed, and it's like, yeah, it's to me, it's almost a sick way to it view is. it because I try to see everything through like messages and morals and mo like yeah. motives. But yeah. it's like, no, nah, this is a brilliant success story. It kind of reminded me of House of Cards. Have you ever seen House I of Cards? Because mm. like uh, that, the uh, the protagonist, like in both of those, are the is is a bad bad person. But they keep like they just keep raising like their success just keeps growing. Um, 
it is interesting how like w- you can make a, a film or a show or a story about a protagonist that is also the villain. So is Jake Gyllenhaal's character the protagonist force throughout most of this because just i mean he's, he's the protagonist yeah he because he's the protagonist in the film but yep. then in most of his scenes is he also the protagonist force well yeah because he never the camera never goes away from him well, who's so, the antagonist yeah. in this i would say i was thinking of that too i would say would it's, be rick in some scenes sometimes it's rick it's definitely bill paxton if yes. you want to nail it down to one person um but it's definitely like kind of everyone else <laughs> um, that's getting in his way people getting in his way rick sometimes nina um, sometimes nina and then sometimes. nina joins him yeah, yeah. so <clears throat> i think that one of the things that the film is meant to be an indictment of is not just capitalism but it's also all of us sure and so he had this statement uh, to say in an interview which i think like this is we're all guilty if we watch this like if we click it and we watch it we, like we can sit back and blame news people we can blame these reporters we can blame but like if we consume it then we're saying like this is what we like. Oh my it, god, it's like Marvel movies. <laughs> so director Dan Gurroy said, "It's like when when a when a bad movie comes out, you know, it's like this is your fault. Just stop going to it." Sorry, keep going. <laughs> Sorry, keep yeah, going. That's keep a going. Hot take bombs. It's just so unnecessarily vile against Marvel. <laughs> like I'm not saying they're all brilliant, but they're most of them are enjoyable. Yeah. Oh whatever. It's okay if you don't like things. He said. I think to some degree, it's certainly an indictment of local television news, but I'd like to cast a wider net in the sense that all of us really watch these images. I would hope that maybe a viewer would take it further and maybe go, why do I watch these images and how many of these images do I want to put into my own spirit? Mm-hmm. And so like that was one of the questions he wanted us to ask was like, he did not just want us to watch and have a critique of capitalism. He wanted us to critique ourselves, which I find to be fascinating. Yeah. Wow. This was a great pick. Who picked this? Was it you or me? I've, it's been one of the ones I've wanted and you've wanted. It's been on our list. Great pick, Matthew. This is such a good movie. I would... Very layered. Oh, it's got so much to it. It's an onion movie. It's got layers. I would love to insert my own segment at this time. Yeah, please. please. Um, hot takes of other Jake Gyllenhaal movies. Okay. We're going to start off with... Ooh, I would love to do that. Annie would love to give a hot take on Spirit Untamed. He plays Jim, Jim Prescott, mm. but she would love him so much. The horse uh, movie? The what is it? And is that like spirit the horse, horse movie? Yeah, it's oh. the animated one from Dreamcast recently. Anyways, um, Donnie Darko. Love Donnie Darko. Weird. Fair Great enough. Great movie. Um, Enemy. Oh. Spiders. <laughs> <laughs> Deranged, but brilliant. So good. Um, end of watch. Terrible movie. Lots of f words. <laughs> Horrible movie. Um, Prince of Persia. Haven't seen it. In a video game yeah. <laughs> zodiac oh masterpiece david fincher yeah oh That's i was speaking of him i was the whole time i was watching this movie i was like i wonder how much better this movie would be if like how different it would be if david fincher directed mm-hmm. it because it seemed very fincher like you know mm-hmm. anyway sorry keep going jarhead i haven't Just, seen it you didn't see it i saw yeah. a trailer for I it was intense cool um but broke back mountain haven't seen it never seen it Day after tomorrow. Never seen it. <laughs> uh, it's all right. Ben, what would fifteen-year-old Ben say? Uh, I even then I thought it was just kind of all right to be honest. Cold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> October sky. Oh, makes me warm and fuzzy. Kind of boring, but good. Yeah. Nice. And then finally, Nightcrawler. Masterpiece. Maybe I it give it might five be. stars. Hey. It's just so good. It's wow. good, right? Oh no, I. 
I that that doesn't come on. No, I don't give five stars to hardly anything. But like I remember, I asked myself if I would change it. I gave it five stars when I saw it in the theater. I will say this was a different viewing. The first viewing, when you know nothing, mm-hmm. it literally is like I I hadn't had an experience sitting on my like I literally in the theater never put my back against the back of the seat. I sat on the edge of my seat, like literally yeah. cliche. Like I was uncomfortable the whole time. To, um, this time though, like this one hit me different. Like this one, hit, this was heavy. Uh, this was way heavier, and um, I just found myself way more torn with like what I was feeling and how yeah. I should process this, which I think is the purpose for why he made it. Sure. Um, and so I'm a sucker for anything that has a message and actually, you know, conveys it in a creative and artistic way. Um, and so, but I mean, I also thought just, just it's it's a it's a thrill to watch. I mean, that chasing at the end. Oof. with a car i mean like it's like just from an action sequence is great um apparently jake gyllenhaal drove and all those scenes which yeah. is pretty That's awesome cool. i didn't know that um I, so riz ahmed being scared to death was <laughs> it was real, <laughs> it was real. Cool. so i would like jake gyllenhaal seems like a really cool person like i would love to be his friend yeah except not in this character uh, no but, but i mean like behind the camera yeah um i want to talk about the watch Ooh, oh they did have a a scene at the end yeah so in the in the very beginning he we it's implied that he kills the serial that sorry the it's implied that he kills the security, security guard. guard um and he takes his watch and he wears the watch throughout the whole film and in the end he still has it and there's a close-up on it what's your takeaway from that i i never noticed it i only noticed it at, right after that scene i didn't notice it the first time but i noticed it i noticed time. it last night but i couldn't really put my finger on like what it was saying yeah my wife and i discussed it because i was like I thought it might have been like a trophy kind of. Well, it's um, an odd watch for a security guard to have. Yeah. And she she pointed out that it's probably not a trophy. Like she she was looking at it as like her theory was that it was a reminder. Um, kind of like a reminder of like where like how far he's come and where he started. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It could be any of those things. But I didn't know if you guys had like a an, an opinion. I liked it. I liked it because it felt intentional. Sure. I just didn't understand why. <laughs> I like it because it's intentional. Which I do. Th- okay. Talk about a film not being overly expositional and overly explaining things. I love that about this. Yeah. Ambiguity it, is, it, is it, a powerful It, it does not go out of its way to explain hardly anything. That's a good Backstories, thing. Backstories. Yeah. Anything. Like, it doesn't go out of its way to show the motives of things. Sometimes it's just like, you're just in it. Yeah. So, this watch was a... I'm going to butcher this one. Uh, <laughs> Britling Chronomat. Um, at the beginning, it's shown to be very loose, um, saying that it's just something he's taken, but then you can see it, it gets tighter so that he's actually like gone somewhere to get it like adjusted for himself. Okay. That's cool. I didn't notice that. Mm. Makes sense, though. Yeah. Don't know exactly what it means, but... I know. Yeah. I'm still trying to... I, that That's a great point. I never... Yeah, I did not notice that. Uh, well, I thoroughly enjoyed Nightcrawler. It was Again, a great one. I enjoyed it. Very much from an artistic standpoint and even entertainment, I guess. But like, I think that this time, some movies aren't always smiley movies. And, and you know, I, I enjoyed it for, um, I don't know. Like, it, it's just, it, it's it, like, I, I also watched The Matrix Revolutions um, this week. Yeah, those are related. And, but my point is like, I watched that one and I enjoyed it. Like the story, how it ended, like it made me like, like it was like a smile. This I enjoyed for the art of it and... But like I feel like I I'm left I'm gonna I'm gonna be left thinking about this movie for a long time yet again, yeah. Um, and, yeah. and how this should make me think. Yeah. Um, and so I that that to me is a mark of a film as if I, I keep thinking about it. Yeah, for sure. So Matthew, I know you said five stars. Ben, what would you? I would give it. Um, 
10 uh i'd give it nine camcorders ah very nice not caribou coffee cups no i was tempted after last night to move it down to four and a half but i had it at five before and so one of the things i'm curious about is in second viewings if the rating stays the same which is an interesting practice right um, but it would still be very close. Now, Matthew, close. if if you didn't give a film a one, a three, a four, or a five, what would you give a film? If you couldn't give it a one, three, four, a or five, two, that's funny. Because you know, Matthew, I've watched, I've listened to y'all's podcast. <laughs> I've never given it two. You no. Whenever you start a numbered list, you'll say a couple of things: one, and then it thirteen times out of thirteen times, you do not say two. Dadgum. Do I get a three or do I just say no, one? No, you literally get just, to one and stop. I've been eh, in eh, meetings eh, with you for like five, six okay. years, and you've never gotten to number well, two. Well, it's because I'm certifiably <laughs> – I, 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 I broke the ADHD test two years ago. Um, it's okay. <laughs> it's all good I'm in like the top 0.05%. So, yes, when I start a list, I forgot that I started a list. So, Other than that, Nomadland is hated on 13 times well, in your podcast. We, we know why that is. Well, we do know why that is. Matthew <laughs> – or Colin doesn't understand something get or gets it. bored 17 times. <laughs> get get better, Colin. Spoil get alert well is, said, is said 19 times. This is all pre-Leon the Professional because I want to okay. come out yet. Okay. Payoff is said 13 times. Ben gets pissed 15 times. Wow. I need to stop getting pissed. I, I, I'm generous with that one because it's, <laughs> it's hilarious to me whenever that happens. And there's four burps. Oh, yeah. We burp a lot. Yeah. We should probably wrap this uh, up because anyway. I got to shoot. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, tuning in once again to watch better movies. Uh, we will be back as soon as we have another movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Later, All right. Guys. Thank you, Eric. See you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Peace.